0: Welcome to the Food Is podcast. My name is Chris King, and in this episode, I'm speaking to Cristina Renni from Food for Soul, an organization based in Italy, set up by the chef Massimo Bottura, who runs the number one restaurant in the world. The organization aims to encourage public and private organizations to create community kitchens around the world, and was created after Massimo was involved in setting up a soup kitchen in an abandoned theater during the Expo 2015 in Milan feeding vulnerable members of the community using food left over from the expo each day, rescuing from going to waste. He was involved with a similar initiative at the Rio Olympics in 2016. Thanks to the work of Food for Soul, these soup kitchens, or refertorios are still up and running, and it's recently been announced that they will be opening a refitorio in London this June, during London Food Month. I spoke to Christina, who is a project manager at Food for Soul, about how the organisation functions, the impact it's having, and much more. Just to say that this was the first time I'd carried out an interview via Skype, so it was a little bit nerve-wracking, and I was constantly concerned about uh, whether my computer was actually recording the interview, and I was also starting to come down with a call. So I'm not the most dynamic in this particular interview, unfortunately, but Christina more than makes up for that with her passion and enthusiasm for the great work that Food for Soul is doing. So, without further ado, here's the interview with Christina Rennie from Food for Soul. Enjoy.
1: Hi, I'm Cristina Reni. Um, I'm a project manager here at Food for Soul. It's a non profit association founded by chef Massimo Guattura. Mm-hmm. Food for Soul wants to empower communities to find food ways through social inclusion. Our work kind of started spontaneously. Uh, Massimo is a chef with a restaurant uh, in Modena, a small mm-hmm. town in Italy. He's been having this restaurant for 21 years. And now he has three stars. And it's really known around the world. Yep. And, uh, but the main thing is that Massimo um, understands culture as a part of his work. And also art. He gets a lot of inspiration
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, on art. So, for example, when you go... Um, to Osteria Francescana now, if you as as you pass the the door, you will see uh, just a boy's um, artwork that is called "We Are the Revolution,"
0: mm-hmm. okay.
1: and those ideas uh, really contaminate the work in Osteria Francescana. Um, what happened is that in 2014, Massimo um, received a lot of invitations for Expo that it was was going to take place in Milan in 2000, uh, 2015.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and the subject was um, nourishing the planet energy for life. Yep. So everyone invited him to cook dinners there. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, and no one is speaking about the problems and the solutions. You know, Expo is supposed to be about innovation, but... It's not only about cooking, it's also about doing. What are we going to do with this world, you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that worried him the most is that a third of what is produced, the food that is produced around the world, is throw, it ends up in the garbage. Yeah. So yeah. that also as a cook was kind of um, shocking when he knew about that. And then he decided, let's take all those things that people are going to just throw away and just cook. You know, and let's invite other cooks to join so we could do something instead of just talking
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and cooking for the people that is in need so we could leave something to the city mm-hmm. so that's how our first project was born it's called Refettorio Ambrosiano mm-hmm. and it's about refettorio it's the place where the monks used to eat so they used to eat and at the same time read the Bible right. so it was about feeding uh, your body but also your soul Mm-hmm. And that was the main idea we want to follow there, because then we said yes, the um, massimo is a chef, but we we want to help people and leave something. But what does really a person that is in need really needs, mm-hmm. you know? And we thought it's not only it's like when you come to the restaurant here, it's not only about what you eat um, as ingredients, or it's about the whole experience. And right. we wanted to take that idea. Uh, that our aim is to make people happy and feel good,
0: mm-hmm.
1: also in a soup kitchen, because we found that, that in many situations, it's just the opposite way. When you go to a soup kitchen, you feel worse because yeah. it's dark, and maybe it's a little bit ugly, and you don't feel proud of being there. You feel ashamed. Mm. So we thought that um, we could ally and do partnerships with people that are running really interesting charity projects mm-hmm. like Carita Ambrosiana does in Milan. And that was our first partner. So they could manage the daily operations as they know how to do it because mm-hmm. they do it beautifully. But then we could help to give them something different, another perspective. Mm-hmm. So this is why Food for Soul is not a charity project. Food for Soul is a project a cultural project mm-hmm. because it's about changing mindsets and it's not only about our guests that come every evening to to eat because they they don't have chances to find a you know um, a warm meal or another place but it's also about the volunteers it's also about the chefs who come and cook it's about people that are just passing by and the neighborhood it's it's about what everyone can do mm-hmm. when we change the way we think. Yeah. Right. And so um, for me, I think that, uh, what I've discovered is that um, it's about the value of things, the real value, you know? Like sometimes you have see a, a really red tomato and you feel, okay, that goes to the garbage that has no value, but then a chef comes Because he has the knowledge and the skills to do it. And there's an amazing sauce with that. Mm -hmm. And when you try that and you understand the value it has, Mm. really, (laughs) uh, then everything changes because it's about doing things. It's not only about saying, "Ah, yes, let's take, you know, like the red tomato is great. But no, when you really actually do something and it tastes really, really good, Mm -hmm. um, it changes the whole experience.
0: And do you feel that people generally are valuing food less than decades ago? Do you feel that there's a less perceived value in the food that we have?
1: Yes, I think like, it's, I think we kind of forgot because first you, you see the traditional um, recipes in a lot of countries like Italy or for example also Venezuela and a lot of our recipes are built and recovering those things and, mm-hmm. and don't throwing away anything. So, for example, here in Italy, there's a, there a recipe book from the year, um, uh, from many, many years ago, like um, when Italy was not st- Italy yet. And, and it's, it's this um, guy called Olindo Gordini, he was more like a librarian, and he did this book about how to use the leftovers in the kitchen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was an idea that they had in Italy before Italy was considered a country before right. it was united yep. okay. So when you realize that um, Then you understand that for them that was a value and I think what happened with the industrialization It's that we always we, we thought uh, we wanted just the perfect things, you know Like we got into the standards that it can be about human beings But it's only also about food and also about places when we think that something it's not perfect, then it's not good enough for us. But Mm -hmm. then we also don't feel good enough for the others, you know? So it's about this mindset uh, saying, you know, I'm proud of where I am and and I might have problems and I do have problems, but that doesn't mean I'm not worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think also nowadays people really want to buy cheap food. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to explain that sometimes that, If you're paying cheap food, you know, like, for example, a vegetable, all it takes to grow that vegetable, all it takes to transport that, to cook it, if you don't pay the the amount of money you need to cover, you need to pay to cover those steps, then there's something, there's another place where you're going to pay it. Mm -hmm. And that's health. And that's also climate change. And that's bigger issues that are going to... Uh, are you gonna then ask questions to what are we doing so I think it's and of course it's natural that we want cheap food because you know we're also human beings it's like cheap food gets into my belly it's good but I think it's a quite um, delicate balance between our reason but also our nature you know and understanding what is the best choices are
0: Mm -hmm. well I suppose maybe it's about accessibility um, because we're all dependent on food and and then under any circumstances really will, that need will be satisfied based on the income that we have and what's available to us in the area that we live. So, yeah, I suppose there's that element of it uh, that better quality food isn't as accessible for many people because they just don't have yes. the money for it. Um, but,
1: but I think it's also, yes... Um, It's also cultural, you know, like Mm -hmm. when we went out to Brazil, we had this our second project was in Rio So we went there Mm -hmm. and it's so beautiful Rio de Janeiro. It's like this forest coming into the city and we were shocked at some point because first when we had like staff meal or so it was always not healthy It was a lot of carbs and, you know, like the vegetables were missing there, the fruits. And they have that, you know. They have amazing fruits and Mm -hmm. amazing vegetables. And we were like, why are we eating carbs with carbs, you know. like. So part of also about our work, uh, it's it's trying to, in in that case, even if we didn't imagine that it was going to be, it's trying to teach people how to cook more balanced, you know, and Mm -hmm. say, hey, Instead of having potatoes and rice, let's just take out the potatoes and put some salad in. And Mm -hmm. also with the guests that came to eat, because um, they were not used to eating vegetables. (laughs) So we had to convince them. And of course, it's about how how in the world became uh, an issue that vegetables and fruits are more expensive Mm. than uh, potatoes and rice you know, and meat, Yeah. but I, we feel also it's even the people that had a choice and knew how to cook were making those choices, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yes, it so, was complex. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, of course, yeah, because there's that, uh, that, as you say, that cultural element of it and, and that maybe the loss of culture um, around cuisine and people's appreciation and and understanding of of a balanced diet and <clears throat> an appreciation. Yes, for because for their, what variety. happened with
1: them is that they had a hard time, and as soon as they had access to other yeah. things, they prefer, you know, like the um, expensive things, so mm. meat, you know, mm-hmm. because it's, you can afford it, then you go and buy it. Mm. That doesn't mean it's the best for you. <laughs> no. Every day to no. eat meat.
0: Yeah. And and so the guests that you have. What are their stories? How do they end up knocking on your door? How do they end up kind of okay. being in those, that that situation?
1: So right now we're running four projects in different cities. Mm-hmm. One in Milan, the second one in Rio, the third one in Bologna, and the fourth one here in Modena. Okay. For us, well, the main thing is that we don't decide how we're going to do the project, but we sit down and we understand in the city the opportunities and the needs mm-hmm. so that way our guests always change okay so in Milan we decided to work with homeless people that are we're doing a night program uh, with Caritas Ambrosiano and we're following Madame, so social assistance and there were mainly people or sleeping on sh- in shelters or on buses mm-hmm. or in the streets um, then in Rio we we decided to work with different associations um, around the neighborhood because mm-hmm. that way uh, we could arrive to more people. So depends on the day of the week. We have one association or the other going. So we, in Rio, for it's complex. So, for mm-hmm. example, we have families with children that, that um, live in, yes, poor neighborhoods also come in that have problems and so go there and eat. We have also homeless people because in that neighborhood in, in Rio where we did it, mm-hmm. it's called Lapa. So it's really complex neighborhood because there's a lot of offices, but then also by night there's a lot of party going right. on. Right. But what happens is that then all the cans that people don't throw away, this other people come, the people that are in need, come and collect them so they can get money for it. Right, yep. But what happens is that once they do that, they cannot go back home because it's too far away and it's too, too expensive. Right. So they leave, leave, sleep on those streets during the week. And then when they have enough money, they go back home, give money to their families and go back to Lapa. Right, so right. there's a lot of people sleeping on the streets. That is like they have homes. Mm-hmm. But they cannot arrive to their houses. It's complex. But they're living on the streets, right. sleeping on the streets. Okay. So that changes. In Bologna, what we found, it said um, and most and most of uh, the other sub-kitchens, children are not allowed to go. Because okay. if you're under 18, it's a little bit hard to protect if you know other people. Of Other one of the guests has problem with drugs or with alcohol right uh, so in order to protect them, they cannot go inside but mm-hmm. there was there was not a place where children and the family with children could go so then we decided to open um the this project that we call social tables is one time a week, so every Monday mm-hmm. we open these soup kitchens on the evening only for families so families with children go there
0: right. Okay.
1: And in Modena, it's, kind of weird. it's a recent project We started in December, so we have a homeless people as the main population, but we're also working with other associations. Mm-hmm. Like in two weeks, we have a women's association that are going, and it's more like immigrants. Um, so we're trying to, to understand the city and understand the different people we could help potentially.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, that's great to, to hear that you adapted according to the location. And yes. how, do you, how do you go about sourcing uh, the food, both during the events at Milan and, and the Olympics at Rio, but also now that these projects are ongoing, how do you source the food now? Well?
1: Okay, during and the expo, we worked with the supermarket of the future inside uh, expo. So okay. every day we had a truck that went there, picked up the, the, um, yes, the food, and went back to the refectorium after that the same um company that is called cop that did that supermarket stayed as a partner of the refectorio. so they're still getting um the surplus from the supermarkets Mm -hmm. in milan besides that there's also other markets that uh, more like vegetables and fruits market Mm -hmm. that start to um to yes make partnership with them so now the truth is that they have a lot more than what they can process there, but that's good because then they build a system in which they redistribute all Mm -hmm. that food they cannot use. Mm -hmm. So the refectory in Milan started to be like a center for food surplus, (laughs) And then you could um, give it to, could start to give it to other people. Mm -hmm. That happened what we were in Expo. We received so many things every day, but then we started to do it like kind of spontaneously and then now they have a system in which they know which day of the week they go to different communities that may be a little bit smaller
0: right.
1: and less, but it's the perfect way to, to take advantage of what they receive every day.
0: Mm-hmm. Then
1: in Rio, it was the first time someone did something like that. Mm-hmm. So in Rio, we were during the Olympics with a catering that cooked the food for the Olympic village, but also with a big supplier of supermarkets in Rio. And they're still working with them. Right. Um okay. because uh, yes, because it was also the first the first time someone did something like that. Um, and there's a lot lot of things that they received, a lot of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. In um, in Bologna we connected with producers because um, Bologna has a rural area where a lot of things are produced So it was more directly with the producers okay. and in Modena we have a market here in downtown Like a historical market called Mercato Albinelli. Mm-hmm. So we go every day before this before uh, the chef arrives we go with a, like, um, a Shopping cart,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> we go there and they give us the things and we take it to the city
0: Right, nice And how how receptive were the supermarkets and the suppliers to handing over this food?
1: That's part of the work we do, because sometimes it's not easy to understand it, or maybe they're scared, you know, because they think, oh, then people are going to think that we're giving the bad things to the poor people, you know? In Brazil, it's kind of a cultural shock. But we think that when we explain well what we're doing, and it's not that we're taking Things someone started to eat and left their, you know, it's not leftovers,
0: mm-hmm. it's no.
1: more surpluses. Those fruits and vegetables are perfect. It's just no one is going to buy them because yep. they're not perfect or because of loss, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, once we explain that and we're super clear, it's easier to start working with them. And yes, and convincing people. It's about explaining. And once they see the results and maybe go out to the soup kitchen one day and see what we cooked with those things they gave us, then they're super happy to contribute with that.
0: Right, yep. yep. During the events themselves, there were chefs from around the world participating, so both in uh, during the Milan Expo and, and the Rio Olympics. What, what do you think they've taken away from it? What do you think? What a lot. It's been super been.
1: interesting. Let yep. me tell you. For me, it's one of the most interesting part of what we do,
0: right. because
1: everyone is different and has a different style to work and has comes from a different background. Yep. So the first thing is that a lot of the chefs were used to work only with recipes. Mm-hmm. When they do events, they send the recipes. They have the uh, list of the groceries. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they are arrive to the soup kitchens, they have no idea what they have to cook, so it's a challenge.
0: Yep.
1: And sometimes they're kind, like, a little bit more nervous. <laughs> but but when they they understand what we're doing and they see all those things, then they say, start to have an idea. It's like, mm-hmm. let's do ice cream with these bananas. Let's do this other thing. And it creates kind of a freedom, you know, that they might not have in their restaurants where mm-hmm. people have expectations about recipes and they want to try your best dish. This is about cooking, about doing something. No one is going to criticize you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're doing it. And sometimes it can be a challenge because sometimes, uh, let's say, we have a, a chef that is really good cooking meat, and that day we only have vegetables.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's where we're going to have, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: we're not going to go and buy meat for him. So the, some it's, it's beautiful to see how they learn, you know, because sometimes it's not only about... Just getting involved, the people that are already convinced and the chefs that are doing something about that, that mm. about the food waste issue. We also invite those. And it's beautiful to see how creative they are. Mm-hmm. But it's also beautiful to see and to get engaged the ones that maybe are not that close to them to the issue and haven't had the time to think a lot about that. Mm-hmm. So what we've seen is that for... All of them also working with people that are different, uh, you know, because we have cooks in the soup kitchens. There are the ones that, uh, after the chef's program ends, or um, let's say it's not that intense, mm-hmm. then they are the cooks that are going to take that place and manage it. So it's beautiful to see how also how some of them take the task to train the, the, them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also I think for Massimo, what I've seen is that it was really beautiful when he goes there and gets super excited about cooking things, you know, and maybe um, then he does pesto for other days and he puts it on the fridge Mm -hmm. because he understands that it's about doing and we cannot, yes, we cannot waste any opportunity or ingredient that comes to our soup kitchens.
0: Yeah. You mentioned... Yeah, that's that freedom and, and kind of taking the chefs out of their comfort zone and, and they were being forced to be creative with what they produced because of the randomness of the produce at hand. But what do you think they've taken back to their own kitchens? Are you aware of, of any kind of engagement with the food waste issue and campaign for reducing it by the chefs that were attending these events and participating? Yes,
1: Rio was, was that Right. Uh, we invited David Hertz to cook at the refectory in Milan, and when he go back, went back to Brazil, after six months, he called Massimo and he said, look, we need to do this in Rio.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's what's happening. We, we, we'll also love to, for example, open in Turin. We're working on that. Mm-hmm. There's a chef called Hugo Chatti who really wants to also do it. So, yes, it's been about that, but also we heard also some of them that have, uh, not a specific projects yet, but they're thinking about it, you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, And 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 we see maybe on Instagram or on social media that they're doing things You know in the restaurants like mm-hmm. recipes or maybe doing soap from uh, The fat that you know was about, supposed to be on the garbage then okay. they do like soaps, you know right. well, okay. um, But I think that more than in the restaurant business um what what will happen is that you, they I think when they come, they understand the influence they can have in their mm-hmm. society. Mm-hmm. More than that what they could do uh, in the restaurant, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that <laughs> see a place that it's built and what they can do. And then when people, you know, say, well, oh, this was really good. Mm. They understand the impact they can have yeah. in society.
0: Yeah. The role. yeah. That's, that's great to hear. Yeah, to, for them to get engaged in that way. And hopefully that kind of engagement continues and Massimo gets more phone calls <laughs> like the <one laughs> he got yeah. from Rio. Um, because, yeah, it'd be great to see. And in terms of sustaining the refettorios, how do you go about doing that? You've mentioned how you source the food, but what about the people who actually cook the food and prepare it? And yes. How, how do you sustain your projects now?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, again, it's different in every project, but in general, of course, we have volunteers that are make also this possible, but besides that, we'll also, we also think about the sustainability of the project itself, mm-hmm. because yeah. the first condition we have is that the places we open, they have to remain open <laughs> yeah. after a while. It's not mm-hmm. that after one month we're going to close and it's going to be a pop-up. We yeah. don't do pop-ups. Right. So. For example, in Milan and also in Rio, they rent the space. Mm-hmm. So in Milan, they had a, they have a cultural association that uh, from their neighbors and they run like cultural events and they show movies. Okay. But besides that, Caritas rents the space and does like dinners and um, for raising funds, but and then also maybe for companies and teamwork activities.
0: Right, well,
1: okay. um, that also happens in Rio. For example, I got an email today of an Italian man that lives in Rio and he's doing his birthday party there. Mm-hmm. So he's inviting his friends to volunteer, and after they volunteer, they have the me- meal all together.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: And it's beautiful because it's content, you know, and and we think, and people want to participate. So, of course, it's about raising, uh, doing fundraise because Mm -hmm. we continue to do fundraise. Mm -hmm. But it's also about finding a way to make it um, economically sustainable. I know also in Rio they're thinking about maybe developing a line of products, for example, or opening for lunch, but they're not ready yet. So, Mm -hmm. they're getting ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the second step, and, and we're happy to see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's great that so much effort is made to ensure that they are sustainable. And, yes. uh, yeah, it's not just a short-term intervention. And, and, and you mentioned you want to set another project up in uh, Torino, and I've read in a Food Tank article Uh, recently that you've also got your eyes on the Bronx of New York so what's your thinking behind um, choosing your locations is there it's about
1: finding the right partners
0: right the people
1: that think us us so my job uh, part of my job is that we get a lot of emails of people that would like to do this and we answer every single one of them and we ha- try to have phone calls with them, or if mm-hmm. we meet them if we go to, to those cities, or if they come here to Italy. And that way we had found potential, good potential partner. So for us, the most important is also the operational partner, mm-hmm. the charity that is going to manage it daily, <clears throat> because they are our main uh, team on this. Um, so yes, for us, that, that's how we decide. Mm -hmm. Of course, then there's places where we would like to go because we think we could make an impact, you know, like, for example, Brazil. Brazil was important uh, because our projects are about community. And Mm -hmm. during the Olympics, it was not a lot about community or the people from Rio or the legacy that, that could have to the city. So we were really proud to give something to the city, to leave something for the people instead of hiding them. Mm-hmm. It was about making them uh, the customers, let's say, the um, the center of everything. Mm-hmm. So it's about that, about finding uh, the right connection.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. What do you think is the impact that you have on the local communities? Have you inspired spin-offs as well? Um, you know, small, smaller kind of initiatives by other individuals, maybe volunteers. Do you see that kind of um, organic growth of food waste-related initiatives spawning from what you guys do?
1: Yes. For example, in Milan, we have the school, a uh, school next door. Mm-hmm. And they started to bring us apples and bread every day before yes. they yes. used to throw away. And yes. we used to give them like yogurts, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so then I think that more than spin-offs, it's about how people that take the space for themselves. And mm-hmm. that's what we want to do. We don't want to be there always. Mm-hmm. It's, it's even better when we don't have to be there because that means that we achieve our goal mm-hmm. of autonomy, of people really in, mm-hmm. uh, and also that happened in Rio, a lot of people just pass by um, and say hey, I want to be part of this and they have a waiting list for volunteers,
0: mm-hmm. All right. All right.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it's about participating and of course how that will have also an impact in your house mm-hmm. and it's not only about food, like it's about what food, um, the power that food has mm-hmm. because what happens with a lot of a lot of time with our guests is that, yes, they have a hard time finding what to eat, but they have a harder time speaking with other people mm-hmm. so connecting,
0: mm-hmm. feeling
1: themselves connected with another human being, uh, Massimo always says that it's about making visible the invisible, mm-hmm. so it's about sometimes. It happened to me once in Rio. I sat down to have a talk with the guest because that's why not, I love that part. Yep. And this guest started speaking to me in Portuguese. I can understand Portuguese. Mm-hmm. I'm not really good at speaking Portuguese. Sure. But I was just like listening to him. And he was not eating while mm-hmm. he was speaking with me. And I said, but continue to eat, please. I don't want to, you know, like uh, make you feel like you cannot eat. And I, And he's like. Okay, okay, but he just kept talking and talking and talking mm-hmm. and talking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I understood he doesn't like he, what he needs is not to eat, he just mm-hmm. needs to speak and be listened, you know?
0: Yep.
1: And, and that can be really hard sometimes because, you know, they're disconnected, unplugged from society. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's like they're the, it's a little bit hard to say it, but it's like what we do with food, we also do it with people. Yeah. You know, it's about yeah. taking them and keep saying to them, "You are, you have a value. Mm-hmm. You're worth to come here to a nice place, sit down, and be served by people. People mm. will serve to you. Mm. So but, it's also about what that impact can have and yeah. how maybe the neighbor, the neighbors, first saw this man or woman just sleeping on the street and no one said hi to that him, to him." But then when we open, then people, hi, you know, call them at their, their names yeah. and get into it. do you need anything? And then it's crazy because then in a long term, that, that person situation might change mm-hmm. because they feel inspired but mm. and also worth it to get. It's not an easy process. So that's why we have social assistance working with us because it's not easy
0: mm.
1: for them or for us to, you know go into that process but that is part of what we what we do.
0: So you say that you're working with social um, yes
1: assistance
0: yes right in, in what way and what form
1: um, the, again events we always yes always on the on the project, on the charity we work with mm-hmm. they usually have social assistance and we have one during the service
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we that could first explain to volunteers and teach them train them. Mm -hmm. on how to manage maybe difficult situations and and second that then after that can offer like besides the food can offer a program to get back in society Mm
0: -hmm. if
1: someone really wants it then they're able to do it Mm -hmm. so that's how we work in Milan also in Rio we have an amazing social assistant in Rio Uh, but that also happens here Mm -hmm. in Modena and in Bologna
0: okay and so how often could somebody access food from Food for Soul? You know, is it, is it restricted? Again, I'm sure it's depending on the location, but yes. um, how often can people visit and access? Food?
1: Usually it's, it's in, it goes in parallel with the, the program with the social worker, right. with the social assistant. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, in Milan, it's minimum three months. So they go from Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. every like for three months at least. Right. Right. In in Bologna, as I told you, it's every Monday.
0: Right. Yep. So
1: they can go every Monday. Mm-hmm. They're invited to go there every Monday. In Rio, it depends on the 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 charity because it depends on the week the day of the week. Mm-hmm. But I think twice a week they're trying to. That's another thing we're trying to get, you know, like to understand what's the best way to do it. But Mm. now it's like that and it's working. Um,
0: Is there a culture of food banks and kind of that kind of assistance in Italy?
1: Yes, we have have food banks here in mm. Italy. Food bank works really well. We don't work with the food bank directly till now Mm -hmm. because we had the opportunity to have, for example, in Milan, we have our own truck. Right, okay. So what happens with food banks is that they, at least here in Italy, they work with big quantities, mm-hmm. which is great, you know, like, but what we want, want to do is like, instead of working with them and taking from the big, you know, numbers, maybe trying to go and recover smaller amounts, that's what we need, and, we, and if it's more, then we can give it to other uh, charities,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. um,
1: because it's about, yes. Recovering maybe things that uh, food bank it's it's not able because it's too too small quantities
0: mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the the supermarkets, mm-hmm. Italy Italy's made it a law, haven't they, to for supermarkets to redistribute food? Yes. Much like the French, and have you have you seen the impact of that law?
1: I think it's too soon. I know the difference between France and Italy in terms of the law is that. Uh, in France, it's more that if you don't do it, then you have to pay um, a fine. Mm-hmm. Instead, here in Italy, it's like you pay you pay less taxes if you do it.
0: Okay, right.
1: So it's it's a different approach, let's hmm. say. And in Italy, it's, it's also with the um, uh, it happens also with the medicine. So it's food and medicine. It's the okay. same law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's still too soon to see to see any big changes being honest right. but it's not something new in mm-hmm. the sense that big supermarkets have had also before the law already programs uh, regarding food surplus called brutto ma okay. that means uh, ugly but good mm-hmm. right. um, and so it was kind of already in the Italian culture okay. what happened with us is that um, we were the first soup kitchen that worked only with that. And that we wanted vegetables and fruits. Because sometimes charities were used to more taking only like cookies, flour, pasta, you know, not fresh yeah. food.
0: Yeah, and we pers- want pers-
1: fresh food. Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: So for Caritas that it's it was in Milan but it's also really big mm-hmm. around Italy. It was a good example on how you can run a soup kitchen only with the food surplus on food
0: mm. supermarket. Mm. That's great to hear. Yep, because it it means then um, people are getting a more balanced meal.
1: Yes, and, of course.
0: Uh, yeah, access to yeah better nutrition, which is which and is that's great.
1: and you know I think what happens is that also it's about inspiring the cooks that works in these places mm-hmm. because it's easier and it takes you less amount of money and it's cheaper to just open a box that was in the freezer. Yep. you put it on the oven. Ten minutes ready yep. and then you open a can you know every, they don't even cook when they do so mm-hmm. they're not cooking mm-hmm. but when you give them good ingredients and you know give them the inspiration and say "Ooh, when you cook like that it's really good and you have the recipes mm-hmm. and the tools then they will change they will cook
0: yeah yep. how can people find out more about food for soul and uh, support your work and you know, if they if there's a partner organization out there that would be interested in um, initiating yeah. something with you, how can they get in touch?
1: The first thing is that they could write us an email to info at foodforsoul.it. It. Mm-hmm. They can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have soul underscore it. And I'm sure we'll have really nice new to share this year. We're planning really interesting projects, but we're also super open to new initiatives and new people that want to collaborate with us, opening a sub kitchen, but also maybe doing workshops different ways. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes what happened with us is that we don't we want to get to know people that these initiatives like people that are doing things mm-hmm. to understand how we could do it and maybe shape shape new projects mm-hmm. according to what we find. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're gonna be here working, and we're also working long term, so we're working already. We're thinking in project for two thousand and eighteen right. um okay. because we love what we do, and mm-hmm. we think um it's it's a good way to build communities
0: hmm yep, and it's also reduce the amount of edible food needlessly going to go waste yes, which is another. Another great benefit. But okay, well, thank you very much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. Oh,
1: you're it. welcome.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Food Is podcast. Once again, if you'd like to learn more about the work Food for Soul is doing, you can visit their website at foodforsoul.it. If you'd like to learn more about the issue of food waste and the work being done by organizations like Food for Soul, then be sure to visit the Food Is website at foodis. That's foodis.org.uk and sign up for the newsletter if you'd like to be kept informed of new articles, interviews and initiatives. And of course, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or SoundCloud to ensure you get future episodes. I have some really interesting people lined up, so it'll be well worth it. If you're involved with a food waste related initiative and would like to be featured on the site or podcast, And please get in touch with me via email at chris at foodis.org.uk. That's chris at foodis.org.uk. Take care and thanks again for listening.